So guys, quick fire question. Based on last episode, have you guys been attempting any speedrunning stuff? Yes. No. What have you done? Well, no. <laughs> I've not had time. Well, it's not fast enough, man. You have to be faster. You know what I did the other weekend anyway. Where was well, yeah, you should, have, you should you should have speed run the mountain, which we'll talk about later. All right. Go on, Chris. So Chris, what did you speed run? Uh, well, I've been speed running RE4, or at least trying to. <laughs> How was that going? Pretty much, it's been pretty much my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I've finished it so many times. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, the last I've seen, on, it's probably changed now, but the last I looked, uh, the world record time is like three and a half hours. Uh, I managed to do it in Three hours and thirty-five minutes. That was a bit miffed. I didn't get it. <laughs> Somewhat. So you literally could have very close doing it. Yeah, I, I know where I've gone wrong. Where I could have saved time, like without glitches and that. Because I've seen like some of these like online. There's like so many people like trying to skip parts, but they're all a bit dodgy, and I'm pretty sure most of them have been patched out already. Which? Uh, I, this is just like legit. Like no no skips. Which bit could you did, could you have uh, could you have saved time on? Which was the bit? Um, I could have got like because I'm like doing it like a like new game plus file. Like I could have got the uh, unlimited rocket launcher earlier. Oh right. And I didn't. Uh, I I went. I did like the first two chapters. I think without it before I went. A doy. <laughs> could have done it. Right. Okay. But, uh, I've not like tried again since. It's like. I got the platinum trophy in it. I was like, I need to put this game down now. I've now finished <laughs> this game like twelve plus times. I need to stop. I'm starting to see like the hood in my sleep. <laughs> what about you, Brandon? So, literally, as just to put into context, as we finished recording our episode with Weldy, I then proceeded to talk to Chris about okay, what emulator is good for the PS One because there's so many good PS One games which you can speed run. Like so many of them are just absolute classics. So. You know, I got the emulator up and running and I got Duck Station and I'd re-downloaded You Go Forbidden Memories, which is one of my favorite games on the PS1. Absolutely fucking adore that game. But for the speedrunner community, it is a very infamous game. Purely, so there was a YouTube channel. I can't remember the name of the YouTube channel, but they basically said that when the first sort of speedruns of You Go Forbidden Memories come out, guess what was the top five times for You Go Forbidden Memories non-glitched? Non-glitched? Like yeah, so no, no manipulation. How... How quick do you think the speedrun was without manipulation? The top five. I don't know. Eight hours? I'll be something ridiculous. I'll be something like 15 minutes. So the, the rank one was 12 hours. Yeah. Rank two was 21 hours. Yeah. And then rank three, four, and five were unfinished. Yeah. So it was very infamous, this game, because there's so much RNG factors in it. So, like, every card drop is based on, like, a percent chance. So... I think it's like of something out of like a 2048 chance that a card could drop or something like that. So, for example, you might have a 16 out of 2000 chance of a card dropping or an 8 out of 2000 chance of a card dropping. So, you've literally got to keep farming and farming until you get these specific cards. So, for the speed run, it's all relying on getting dragon and thunder cards to be able to fuse twin head to thunder dragons. And once you've got that, you can then start to get the equipped cards like Mega Morph, Dragon Treasure, Bright Castle, etc. But you've literally just got to do a constant grind of like fighting Rex Raptor until you get all the Dragons and Thunders. Then you have to fight Shizu until you get enough Dragon Thunders and power-ups. Then you've got to fight Pegasus until you get enough power-ups. And then you can literally go through. And even after doing all that, with the RNG bullshit of trying to get the right cards, it's probably got one of the most famous boss sequences in any video game called the Final Six. Or depending on how you do it, the Final Seven. Because basically in this game, technically after every fight you can save... And go, obviously, if you fail, if you fail a fight, you go back to your previous save point. 
However, on You Give Forbidden Memories, the final six has just the most amount of bullshit card mechanics in the world. So usually when you play Yu-Gi-Oh, you've probably got, on this game, you've got five cards in your hand. Every one of these final six have 20 possible cards in their hand. So they've already got half their deck ready to play against you. Their strongest card is Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon, which they can just summon for turn one. They've got all the equipped cards in the world. Even if you put a card face down, they know what it is. It's, it's just so hard to do the final six, especially if you're speedrunning and you're having to get through the final six without dying because that final six sequence takes about half an hour, makes it infamous. So last weekend, I did an unofficial speedrun off stream where I just wanted to have a go at doing it. And I've done it in about six and a half hours, which I am kind of happy about. But at the same time, there are now people doing it like non-manipulated in like just a couple. Like I think the, one of the quickest is this Japanese guy who did it in an hour and a half. He just got so lucky that like every fight gave him the exact card he needed and then he did it. Whereas sometimes you might play the game, do 20 fights and not get a single card you need. So yeah, that's what I was, what I was up to after, you know, Weldy inspired me to do speedrunning. So yeah, thank you, Weldy. Funny enough, I I thought about I think it was the day after we yeah it was literally the day after we recorded with Weldy. I was like, oh you know a game I could have mentioned about speedrunning is Balloons Tower Defense Six because they have like a few uh, they have like interesting challenges on that. But then I, I watched a it was I think it was either today or yesterday I watched a, a YouTube short about the game and it was like oh it's it's interesting about how all the speedruns on every map are about the same amount of time. It's because the the balloons spawn at the same rate and near enough every map in a well not yeah more more or less so you can't really uh, make the balloons spawn faster you can just pop them as quick as you can and yeah and that's all you can do you can't make them spawn any faster than they already already do see because I, rem- I remember like do, did you guys used to do the same thing like in secondary school during it would you go into like game websites like mini clip and stuff yeah. like that yep so do you remember like the old Bloons Tower Defense games on there. Like yeah, Bloons Tower Defense 1, 2, and 3. Yeah, can... I used to fucking love playing those. And I remember that like, all of our friends we were just like, right, we've only got half an hour of lunch. They're all on Let's Steam. see if we can complete Bloons Tower Defense by the end of lunch. They're all on Steam. All the old ones are on Steam. Yeah, no, but I was like thinking, you know, like when we were like 14, well, 12, 13, 14, 15, yeah, like yeah. back in the days, oh, that was so good. Bloons Tower Defense, Lemonade Stand, that was fun. <laughs> What was, what was it? Cool maths games or something like that? Yep, cool maths games. <laughs> oh, those were the days. Welcome to Victory Achieve Podcast, a video game podcast. I am Dan and I'm with Brandon and Chris. Sup, bitches? Hello, regular people. Oh yeah, that too. We we love we love everyone who listens. Uh, it's been a it. I'll be honest. It feels like it's been forever since we last recorded. Although it's the same amount of time as always. I think it's because we had Weldy on last week. Uh, mm. the last time, and so it's felt like forever since it. It's just been. Well, it has been. It's been like a month since it was just us free. So it 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 definitely feel it. Can't just be going too fast since we did the speed running one. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, in that time, uh, Brandon and I we uh, we climbed another mountain. Yeah, we went on a pilgrimage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. And by the way, fuck Preston. <laughs> Gosh, I just I had to I had to get that out of my system. I had to get it out of my system. To be honest, it I wasn't that impressed either. 
But uh, yeah, yes. So I'm going to have to interject and say, what was so bad about Preston? That's um right. Where do we begin, Dan? Well, everything. It just right. wasn't a very. Didn't really look nice. Um, nah, you know, like how every city has that one street yeah. which looks a bit run down, dejected, and could use a bit of you know council money to try and like refurbish everything. Yeah, there's always that one Random. street. Yeah. Brandon, we live in Leicester. Every street looks like that. No, this no. is this is where it gets freaky. Preston is oh my fucking god! It looks like a war happened there, and would have made the place look better. Oh, <laughs> it was because we were driving through it. We were literally on the way to Scarfell Pike, which is where you know up in the Lake Districts, and we had, and we bypassed Preston because of the car overheating because of the shitty traffic. So we ended up going through Preston, and me, Dan, and Priyash, you know, loyal listener. We were going through it. We were just like, what the fuck is this town? Like, what happened? And because obviously all the stand-up comedians like I've ever watched always joke about Preston being shit. I can see why. I, yeah. I Hand on heart, I always thought Peterborough was shit. Now it looks like a fucking <laughs> nature reserve. <laughs> yeah, I, I was not impressed either. I thought it was pretty bad. There were, there were buildings that literally felt like the Resident Evil 1 manor. It did. I, I I remember I took a wrong turning because my sat nav just confused me, and then I made a turn and I literally looked at a building and I was like, "That's from Resident Evil, isn't it?" It was ridiculous. <laughs> You're selling me on this. The idea of going to the Spencer Mansion sounds like a nice little holiday. Oh yeah, but I guess other than, other than that, we uh, we went to the Lake District and we climbed Scarfelt Pike. I I did climb it last year for the first time, so it was my second time. And uh, Brandon and our mate did it for their first time. And how how did you find it? Okay, so if so, I think a few listeners can understand when I say this, and I think you can as well, Chris. Think you know, think of Dark Souls. Yeah, think of like Dark Souls Two, for example. Yeah. So Dark Souls Two has a very long time before you get to that first boss fight, doesn't it? Compared to Dark Souls One and Three, yeah. Uh, I suppose, yeah. It sort of eases you into it, basically. Whereas a game like Dark Souls 1, where you get the Silent Demon at the very beginning, is like, oh, fuck me, I'm in a bit of trouble. Same for, for Wolong. You know how hard that first boss is in Wolong? You're like, oh, fuck me, I'm in trouble. That is how I can describe Scaffold Pike compared to Snowden. Snowden, even though it's, I'd say, significantly taller than Scaffold Pike, it is... It has like a bit of a tutorial to get you going. Whereas Scaffold Pike, you've basically got half of a field. Then you're like, right, let's up this incline to about 70 degrees. And, and just from the very beginning, it was just pain. Absolute pain. Just like constantly just going uphill on slippery, loose rocks. At first, Dan, you know when you first described Scaffold Pike, I thought you were mainly describing it as like just sheer gravel the whole way up. It was for like the middle and then the upper bit. For those first bit, it was just mm. constant just steps. Mm. But what didn't help is that steps were wet because there was that river right at the start. Yeah. And they were loose. And on the way down, that was fucking dangerous. That was so dangerous on the way down. Like on the way up, I had an asthma attack. Well, I nearly had an asthma attack yeah. on the first third. My chest actually packed in. But then the random things like my asthma just disappeared after that first third, which was very strange. But yeah, even though it was only about 12, 13 degrees, it was still getting really that hot. The wind was lovely though when it did get through. But yeah, Scaffold Pike. I'd say compared to, yeah, as you, you know, when you first did them, Scaffold Pike is definitely harder than Snowden just because of how steep it is and how basically punishing it is. Like, I couldn't, I, me and Priyash, we didn't actually get to really enjoy the scenery because for the whole way up, we were basically looking at our feet to make sure we were stepping on solid ground. It, you know, if you want a really 
good like leg workout, please go to scaffold pike. It's a wonderful, <laughs> it's a wonderful climb. But my legs for about five days afterwards, or especially day two afterwards, I'd right jelly legs. Couldn't go down the stairs at all. It was brilliant. Oh yeah, and then guess what I did? Um, so after my jelly legs went down, guess what I did? I don't know. What did you I did do? leg day at the gym and fucked myself up again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, no, I, I as I, uh, well, you two know, and maybe some of our listeners know, I'm planning to do the free peak challenge in august and after doing scarfelt pike again and then i looked at my itinerary i kind of realized what i've got into i've got to do <laughs> scarfelt pike in the dark <laughs> so that's honestly pass off if you could do that that's going to be scary it's not i've, I've got to do it so <laughs> that's gonna be so scary I'll, I'll have a few torches i'll be i'll be all right yeah you gotta do it i'll give you 20 quid you do better damn well yeah, i want to <laughs> But then, but then you say that I get to do Snowden in half dark, half light, and I get to see the sunrise. So that's that lovely. You get to see the sunrise. Yeah, that'd be lovely. But yeah, uh, that I guess. Yeah, we we did we did that the other weekend. Uh, Can we talk about the village we stayed in? Oh gosh, like that was as bad as Preston. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, right, so we stayed in a little town called Cleetor Moor, and we, it was basically like one long road. Where yeah, when we were in the middle, it was like the actual exterior of the houses weren't particularly pleasant. But when we got in, the actual flats were actually relatively decent. Yeah, our Airbnb was gorgeous. Yeah, it was you know aesthetically quite nice. You know, there was minor like sort of architectural structural problems, but hey ho, we can live that. Furniture wise, top notch. You know, mm. couldn't fault it. As for so day one, we got there and we were like, okay, should we go on a walk just to try and find our bearings and see what's around us? And we spotted like a co-op coming in so we're like, okay let's just go walk down towards the co-op and then come back ourselves as we were going down this co-op there's like this um allotment oh, area gosh. oh yeah that yeah so yeah. you can probably tell from this description already so there's this allotment we can hear this dog barking and it's quite a big allotment there's like barbed wire and everything around there which already, already raises alarm bells so but there's like this path going behind it i was like i'm gonna go on an adventure you and priish were like brandon don't go but Obviously, my little Bilbo Baggins brain took over. Went down to the back, and literally at the back, Dan, I need you to paraphrase the, what you saw with me here. It was like a beware sign. Yeah, yeah. It was like just an open fence, barbed wire, metal, wood, as if it was like, again, from Resident Evil, you know, Shantytown, where Pyramid Head's... Not Pyramid Head. That's Silent Hill. Um, yeah. The, you know, what's that actual villain in that deserty area in Resident Evil? I don't the know. big one. Chris, you'd know. Which one? Sorry? You know in one of the Resident Evil games, I can't remember which one it is, but there's like a deserty area. Oh, Resident Evil 5. That's yeah, there's like desert area and there's the really big, the big guy. Yeah, yeah, I know. That. Yeah, so basically this whole allotment looked like that area from Resident Evil, and I was pretty certain there was going to be some angry farmer who looked like that Resident Evil boss. It looks so dodgy, didn't did it, Did he have Dad? a giant hammer and a bag on his head? It wouldn't surprise me if he did. <laughs> it literally just looks so dodgy. You can hear chickens, you can hear this dog barking, you can hear like these people in the allotment sounding a bit angry. And it was literally like a beware, keep outside on this allotment. I was like, oh my god, I, I wish I took pictures of this. It looks so dodgy. Oh, Sounds like more of a challenge than the, uh, the mountains. Yeah, what, yeah. What, the one thing that didn't make us laugh was that there was a, on one side of the road, there was about, is it like four or five pizza uh, takeaway <laughs> places in a row? And one of them was called Mario. And it was literally had the Super Mario. It was all Super Mario. It was just like, hmm, I bet uh, if. Nintendo saw that. Well, I have a feel. Yeah, day. I have no idea how they could get away with that. It's literally just straight up like 
of intellectual like intellectual property stealing. Yeah, I'm gonna put it in the chat so that Chris can see it. But it was uh, <laughs> it was hilarious. But no, we had a we had a, a really good time. We got our mate to play Dark Souls Wonder tutorial, and that was great. He beat the Asylum Demon. He did it. Yeah. You know what was it? Third attempt. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we we tried not to help him too much because we wanted him to uh, find out how it all went. And it, it was janky on the Switch. It, yeah, it's not the best on the Switch. I must I must admit. I've said that before, but yes. But yeah, we had a good time. But I guess um you know we we climbed a mountain, but uh we also, and I guess uh Chris is. Chris has climbed a big mountain. He uh he's been playing Resident Evil Four. So have I. Uh, but he's platinumed it. I have yes. Thankfully, to get the platinum trophy on it, it's not required that you get an S plus rank on professional, which is insane. <laughs> I'm still gonna go for it at some point. It's well, still on my list. A rank. Uh, I've got I've got S plus ranks on like the other modes, and I got an S rank on professional. Uh, oh, it's S plus. Uh, yeah, it's S plus. Ah, so, right. and the prerequisites for that is to do it on a fresh save file. So, like no. Yep. Like yep, new yep, game yep. plus bonuses, nothing like that. You gotta do it in under five and a half hours, oh, which is tough. And you've gotta do it with a maximum of fifteen saves and there's no auto saves. Uh so yeah, that's a bit rough. It's a bit rough. Uh I've I've got a plan of how to do that, but it's gonna be touch and go. It might be it might require me to uh play through the game several times and have a few practice stabs at it. Um yeah, I've I've played this game to death already. I've, I've done the campaign so many times. So Resident Evil Four. Um, I I got a lot to say, but I know Dan's played it as well. Yes, so, I I only beat yeah. it last night. I you know I have a busy life. I, I I only managed to beat it last night. Um, I guess uh I guess uh I guess one thing I I guess what do you think about the changes between the original and the remake? Well, there's quite a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I would say it's it, it, well, obviously it, it is a remake rather than a remaster, but it doesn't replace the original because it's way too different. Yeah. Like, like not not even close. <laughs> it's two separate games, near enough. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the areas um are either new or, or they sort of smashed areas together to like uh form a hybrid. Um, some areas are just outright missing. You know. Couple the- Couple of bits are the same, but not many. There's one. Here's a question. Uh, there's a boss fight in the castle. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that in the original, been a, what, a couple of years since I played the original, but in the original, that boss fight is in the on the island, not in the castle. But in the remake, you fight. It's in the castle, and you were you're with Luis. Uh, yes, you I, are I correct. I thought so. That is I, later there, on. I was like, I swear this was on the island, not the castle. And technically. Uh, um, it's not a boss fight on the original. It's a QTE sequence, and it's the worst part of the game by far because it's unskippable. And yeah, you just gotta sit through it. And if you fail, it's about three minutes long, and there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to sit there and watch it unfold. <laughs> it's annoying. <laughs> what do you think about the right thing? I'm thinking about the two giant fight. Oh no, no, that is in the same place. Is it? Yep. I thought it was. I thought I was in the ca- uh, the island, not the castle. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think they definitely changed. Like they've changed a lot, and like they've got like there's like a bit where it's like half open world, for example, in on the in the village. There's when you're on the boat. There's like the bits like they've completely jigged Lewis as a character and how he fits in and where his 
time in the game finishes is completely different to where it is in the original. Uh, he uh, I, I de- he definitely has been rewritten for the modern day. I will definitely say that. There are some lines in the original that have not aged well. And <laughs> uh, there's a special one uh, very early on. And I was like, as soon as he didn't say it, I was like, I'm not surprised he did not say that line. So if you want to hear him say that line best play the original or every other release of that the original version because it's near yeah. enough on every fucking console you say his lines of dialogue have changed but they've still kept the same character he's still got the same temperament yeah I, I, there's a particular you might you might know exactly which one but there's a particular line he says and they yeah, it's not in the remake and i'm not surprised it's not in the remake doesn't need to be i mean I'm, yeah you can't focus on one line because pretty much everything's a lot of the stuff's changing, like all the cutscenes. It's it's one of those lines where it's like that line has not aged well. Uh, yeah, but the whole story is like been revamped somewhat. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was uh, of any line. It was like the one line when I when I think of Luis, that is the one line I remember of his character, and it's like yeah, that line was not gonna make was not gonna transition to the remake at all, and it didn't. Uh, well, one of my my, my favorite one of my favorite things about the writing the the full remake is uh, is Louise's character. Oh yeah, they 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 fleshed him out so much yeah. more, give him a bigger role. Yes, and it covers a major plot hole that's in the first one, <laughs> which I bang on about every time I play it. <laughs> uh, which one? I think I know which one that is. Is that? It's right at the end. I, I suppose it's. Not really a spoiler. Wait, what, um, at the end of the game. Yeah, so yeah, near the end, right near the end of the oh, game. I'm thinking of something else. No, in in the original game, there's a machine oh, that yeah. sort of gets rid of the last plagas, and it never made sense to me as why that's there. It's like it's the last plagas called. Why do they have a machine on their base that gets rid of them? Why would they have that? Mm. <laughs> and but now it's they've written it in a way it makes perfect sense. So, yeah, I yeah. also. <laughs> thought about how he goes out of uh, the original always felt a bit off because isn't it related to Sadler in the original and I, I always felt like when it happens I'm like why doesn't Liam just go after Sadler straight after but in a remake it's completely different it, that it's a different character and it makes perfect sense it feels more like well, Liam should just go after Sadler after this bit with Louise but now it's like well no it's related Sadler's not even there, and it's with a completely different character. Mm. You know, which, oh. I think you know which bit I'm talking about without spoiling yeah, yeah. everything. But, yeah, I, in like the, the overall, the writing's better. Yes, like, uh, they the made Ashley Graham like more capable. Yeah, I'd say less annoying, but I never found her annoying in the first one either. I think it was just her, a lot of people a voice and thing. Leon, oh, don't don't fuck up, man. Yeah. <laughs> get, get good. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I thought she, I, I quite like her. I thought she was fine. Um, yeah, I definitely made her a bit more likable. Uh, yeah, she, she still yeah. near enough says all like the, still, she still has all the flirty lines with Leon throughout the whole game. So they're, they, they, that's still there. That's still a thing. And yeah, yes, yeah, you certainly get plenty of bang for your buck with this game. So yeah. It's like my first playthrough took me about twenty four hours, but I really took my time combing every area. And then going back and forth, and sometimes that paid off like big time. Mm. So it was worth doing, worth exploring. Uh, you say one chapter um, earlier, like opens up a bit. Uh, yeah. Chapter four, that kind of is in the original. You can get in a boat and like uh, yeah. have a have a look around, but it's been expanded greatly. Yeah, in this version. 
And I kind of wish there was a little bit more of that, where it's like, oh, we can, like, another, just say, like, one more chapter where it's, like, massively open. Yeah, because, like, like, even the island, once you, except for the bit up to getting towards the regenerator, yeah, the bit going up to the regenerator is the only bit you can't go back. Like the, yeah. But then once you get to the bit where you got to rescue Ashley and you got to go through all the regenerators, all of that whole section you can like go back and forth and all that. I must say I, I, I fucking hated the bit. I fucking hate regenerators anyway. But the bit where oh bastards. Yeah, when it's like all pitch black and then you just like turn it, it has the you just see the leg of the regenerator move. I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake! And I know exactly. Oh, the Iron Maiden, the Iron Maidens are so much worse. Oh, I, I just so much harder. I just fucking skip through all of them because you can find you can find the first one and then when you get through the ne- the next door, I was just like, oh, oh, I can see them all. I was just like, I'll just I think I tried to kill one and then I was like, screw this! I'm just gonna. Open up next door and get into the next section. I can't be asked to deal with the yeah. uh, regenerators slash Iron Maidens. I I hate them. They're they're if, great if enemies. You... They're like really well designed enemies because they just they creep under like as they meant to. They like they're so annoying to kill. But it's, and you're like oh no. Uh, but they 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 they're good in like in what they get you as the player to try and they put you under pressure. But they and they are tough to kill. Yeah, if you're savvy enough, you don't have to kill any Iron Maidens. In no. fact, you only have you only have to kill one regenerator to hold a key item. Yes. Apart from that, you can skip all of them. Yes. Um. Yeah. Um. The, the structure, that. the structure is kind of the same as like the original, like overall, because it's like essentially three long levels. It's like you got the village bit, which is like a bit more open. You can backtrack for most of it. Yeah. The castle, you can go back and forth because it's kind of like a long corridor when you look at the map. Mm. <laughs> you can roll back if need be. But the island's like pretty linear. Like once you're there, it's just like yeah, get to there. There's no real reason to go back unless you're hunting for treasures that you missed. I missed There's no one. need to go back at all. I couldn't get it. Uh, I didn't um, have the map. I wouldn't allow that to happen. <laughs> I was like, no. Even when I had the map, I was still looking around everywhere. That's why it took me so long. Uh, yeah, I've, I've kind of know this game inside out, so I know a few. There's a few hidden treasures that aren't on the map um, that the game doesn't tell you about. There's a few bits where health items respawn. Like There's a pond in the castle you can revisit. And between chapters, everything respawns, but the game doesn't tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so there's, there's some new weapons uh, this game adds. It's added like a bow gun, which is kind of like the mine thrower. If you get like like um explosive upgrades for it, it kind of acts like the bow gun from Code Veronica. If you know that, that. The, the, bolt, the bolt gun, bolt thrower. Bow gun, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I've hardly used it. Yeah, the the uh, bows and sails are a bit crap. They do have their uses, but yeah, I didn't really <laughs> go with it. Yeah. Apparently, you can you can cheese a few bosses by uh, like Garados by putting down like a few mines before you trigger the thing, <laughs> which I haven't tried that yet. But like, it doesn't I de- seem I worth it. I think what I found definitely found with Four Remake is it definitely made it one a lot scarier at points. Definitely mm. brought the survival horror back into Resi Four because it is to break the everything. Resi Four is the only Resident Evil I've played. I think the re one of the reasons for that is one, it's not the scariest, and two, it's basically just a fucking action game. Except for like the Ashley segment, most of Resi Four is just an action game. The Ashley set segment in the original one is about the only horror section, and they definitely brought a lot more horror into remake in like 
the entire entirety of the game. Like even just the regenerate a bit, where it's all pitch black, and I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like I don't remember it being that dark in the original. You know, it's been a been a while since I played the original, so maybe it was. I don't know. But like there were so many little sections where I was like, this is definitely scarier than it was originally. And the amount of times I had like no ammo or was so low was ridiculous. It definitely felt like every shot count much more than it than in the original. It does, yeah. I'd I'd say overall the difficulty has been ramped up from yeah. what it was. I felt like uh, uh, if I play Resi Four on professional mode i play that just for a chill time because yep. i think normal mode's too easy yeah I, um, i've beaten i've done all the difficulties on the original resi 4 but even professional professional mode on this one fucking Nora. <laughs> it was hard very hard like when i think about the hardest difficulty on the original one the only bit that i struggled with was the bit with the helicopter because on that bit you couldn't just rely on the helicopter you had to push the helicopter yeah. came with you whereas on the other two difficulties the helicopter just destroys your enemies but on professional it's like no 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 yeah you got the helicopter but you have to do the legwork you've got to push that helicopter's not going to do the work for you and that's yeah, the it normally only no hmm? it normally only like triggers during like set events like yeah but no, i definitely found remake far harder yeah for sure all for the better though i mean yeah. I, I found some sections easier now yeah. i've had practice i think it's kind of like a little like you gotta have a sort of dark souls mindset because half of it's like just knowing where enemies are yeah especially yeah. certain segments when you've got like uh stealthy enemies that like camouflage themselves once you know where they are it's like it's not too bad yeah so, I, like, I like the stealth i liked how it put, brought stealth into it as well so you didn't at certain like when i got to the first bit on the island the first three enemies i stealthed them i was like well i can i can do that and obviously there's a challenge to do that so i was like right kill that one wait until move that device then go here kill that one then go around here kill this bowman and then well everyone appears so there we go just kill them all yeah I, I do like what they've done with the knife system in this like they've kept knife durability like resident evil 2 but obviously with stealth mechanics as well you can do that but you can't rely on that because you can only use your knife for so long so you can't decide oh can i stealth the entire village and it'll be cool if you could uh, it'd be very very difficult to do so i suppose if you do it on new game plus and get like unlimited knife i think mm. you might be able to but it, it doesn't seem there's like any areas in the game that you can get by unnoticed it's like at some point you're gonna have to open fire or run past something yeah it's like yeah. oh i can get through maybe two or three enemies but then yeah you're gonna get noticed yeah, it, it's just like picking off a few off the herd before the uh the rest come down just, yeah. just to say something yeah. i really it's like even when uh when literally the first bit of the game in the, the village it's like you can kill two silently i think or at least one i think but then yeah then everyone comes so how however many you can kill until you're spotted yeah so the game is m much more difficult but it alleviates itself so much once you get your hands on the limited rocket launcher yeah and one of my one of my favorite bits which the game doesn't tell you but kind of hints at is one of the bosses super weak to eggs but it doesn't tell you which boss is that uh <laughs> It's uh, Salazar. He's, he's yeah, to eggs. I thought it might be. There's a mission where you have to egg his portrait as a side thing, and that's kind of a clue that you can do that. That makes it sound like the Gnome King from The Wizard of Oz 2. Well, wouldn't know. In eggs can be used as weapons in Resi 4. That's fucked. Yeah, yeah. it's it, funny, yeah. Resi 4 remake. Funny. There's so many memes. Yeah. <laughs> egg. I, you know, 
in that yeah. room, you know, I forgot to sit on the chair and I'm still really pissed off that I didn't sit on the chair. See, that's in a different part. That's on the island in the original. That's what I thought. <laughs> I thought it was on the island as well. Although it always seemed weird because that's like, it's just like a random laser corridor and then a throne just like... Oh yeah, bam. the laser corridor what isn't is... on, isn't in uh, 4 Remake. Yeah, that, that whole section, the because uh, the bulldozer bit's not there, right? Yeah, the bulldozer bit, I think, was switched with the Wrecking Ball. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I prefer the bulldozer, I'll be honest. Although there is a way to, like, uh, kind of skip most of that Wrecking Ball part mm. um, by using explosives. Uh, again, harder to do when it's professional, because I probably won't have any grenades or any, anything spare. I kind of want them all. So, uh, still, like, that, I remember I got stuck on that room where with the Red Priest in the castle, and I, I just, um, and yeah, it's... And then you just like just throw a grenade, and then it did it, and I was like, "Yep, yeah, it was, yep, yeah." There's, like... there's a there's a similarish room with a mini gun in the original, um, and you can kind of skip that doing the same kind of technique. I, I so, can't remember which that room, but yeah, probably it's a different room, but it's like the same sort of skip is in it, mm. <laughs> but this repurposed. I was going to say something else. Uh, yeah, there's so a, a lot of changes have been made to this, but like we say, like the bits like the digger are missing. There's a boss fight missing, but I think for the most part it's done because of the tone. I think if they like introduce those things, it's like okay, this game we we know it's it's a little bit silly, but I think if they kept them in, it's like nah, it's kind of jumped the shark now. <laughs> it's like they've kind of kept it a little bit more grounded. I mean, it, it's still a series about. Lost Plagas taking over people's brains, but uh, but they tried to keep it a bit more realistic for the most part. <laughs> you know, it's still got him going. Where's everybody going? Bingo! You know, It'd be riots in the streets if they cut that line. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I I like how well once you beat the game, you can uh, switch costume because I I always I'll be honest. I always prefer Leon with the jacket. Uh, I don't really care what he wears, to be honest. I'm like, no, I'm like, oh, I can actually just play the whole game with him and his jacket. Suit of armour for Ashley, yeah, because it actually has a gameplay purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always wear that, never take that off. <laughs> Once you get it. Because it's like all the enemies try and pick her up. It's like, hey, you ain't doing that shit. Uh, well, we've been talking about this for some time, but I, I've got very little bad to say about the full remake. I know some people have like, um, uh, no, I don't like it. Like review bombed it because people are weird. But there's no reason to. As a lifelong fan of Resi and bought the original when it came out, I still love this remake, and I'm gonna play it some more at some point. Probably tonight as well because I've been talking about it for so long, and I haven't played it for a couple of days, so I'm starting to get withdrawal symptoms. So it doesn't have but, separate ways. Uh, they added mercenaries through free DLC. Uh, so mercenaries is now on. Um, still not like doesn't. I I really like it. You can suplex the monks still, so that's a that's yeah. a win. Uh, like I I've been. I thought I would be a little bit more. I would have a bit more. A few negatives, but I mean, I I still I think. Like I I think about this for a while, but this and Fire and Engage are joint for my favorite games this year at the moment for completely different reasons. Well, um, it was High Five Rush for Game of the Year, but no, this is it. <laughs> Well, I can't see anything else topping this. I've, I've been hearing a lot of good things about Octopath Traveler 2, but well, I, I'm, I think the, the completionist in me is like, I've got to finish number one before I play number two. <laughs> but, uh, like, I, I really like Resi 4 Remake, but I completely agree with you. The original is a separate game, and I'll be honest, it's still, it's so, it's still so playable. Um, like, I don't, this is not, this, yeah, this is a remake, but I don't think it makes the first one obsolete. I think 
if you, you sh- I think people should still play the original. The original holds up so well still. Like I don't, I don't think this replaces it. I might, I might even play the original again just because. Oh, I sure. Both are good. But yeah, it was not. It was, it was great to return to Resi Four, and it's made me go. I really should play the Resident Evil games. It's, All right. it's a. It's, I, I've yeah. given this game high plays. I've got to give it one nitpick. Just for balance, one nitpick, and it's totally random, but it annoys me. When uh, when Leon says the bingo line and it shows you the title, you've got the uh, the the burning body from like beginning of the game on the left hand side. Yeah, and then the text Resident Evil Four, and I just keep thinking, no, that should be the way round. You should have the text and then the burning body on the stake, because then it will look like an exclamation mark. <laughs> Resident Evil Four. <laughs> this looks wrong to me. It's like, no, oh, it's wrong on the wrong side. <laughs> other than that, no, that's my only nitpick. Just that. I think my only other nitpick is Brandon, you should play Resident Evil 4. Yeah, you haven't played it. I said, Dirty Rosie game I played as 8. Yeah, 4's better. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why you played 8 because that's the follow on from 7. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> I, I just got it because it was free with a PS5. Yeah, uh, true. That's like, that's like saying, oh, I've not played any Metal Gear Solid game apart from 4. <laughs> the, that would be the worst game to start. To be I fair, I, I played two then four, so I don't know if that much that is much better, but still. Uh, at least I did them in order. <laughs> well, I, I played them all now, so it doesn't really matter. Mm, yeah. yeah. So Resi Evil Four, yeah, please good, buy it. Good game. Right. Give good it all game. your money because I want Resi Five remake. So give it your money. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, did it? I think what like something like Code Ver- Veronica. Do you think they'll remake that? There are rumors of that, and to be honest, that's the one that makes the most sense because that's got the most missed opportunities. It's the most like weirdly unbalanced game that desperately needs a remake. I do like Veronica, but it's like one of my least favorites of like, oh, the yeah. classic. Really. It is my least favorite of the classic. Really. What about oh, maybe maybe what zero. Resi Zero. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If the, I have nitpicks with both. I hate the menu system in Zero, but I don't like a lot of the sections in Veronica, just like how the game's designed. Yeah, so I think that one could is definitely should be remade. Well, For sure. Brandon, you've you've uh, seen some stuff recently. Yeah. So where should I begin? Should I begin with the thing we've seen together, or should I begin with something which I saw by accident? <laughs> Do the one by accident. Okay, so I've recently just gone through like a random phase of watching Kyle Hill on YouTube. Okay, this was actually the one I thought you were going to mention, but carry on. Because this was by accident. So I was watching Kyle Hill on YouTube and I was watching his radiation series. And in particular, I was looking like, I've watched some of his vlogs when he visited Chernobyl. Which made me remember, oh, there's that HBO series Chernobyl, which is, you know, high touted as one of like one of the best season series ever created. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I want to watch this. But for some reason, I went pigeon-brained again. And my first point call was, all right, let's Netflix it. So I then go to Netflix, type in Chernobyl, and it comes up with this thing called Chernobyl 86. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, brilliant. This has to be it. And I watch it, and I was like, oh, it's only an hour, like just over an hour and a half long. And I was like, this isn't a series. So yeah, so I accidentally watched Chernobyl 1986, thinking I wasn't going to be in for a TV series of Chernobyl, but it was a film. Uh, it is a... So it's about one of the firefighters who was he worked in the same area as Chernobyl, so Pripyat, and he was going to get um, basically shifted over to Kiev and be like a firefighter over there. And then one day his kid is out. Well, I say his kid. Obviously, it is his kid, but his his ex-wife's now sort of got ownership. 
goes on a back ground with the friends, in which case Chernobyl then explodes during the routine, well, during the test they were doing. So then, obviously, all the firefighters get called in, and said firefighter becomes a liquidator, and his son is, like, getting, like, acute radiation sickness, and he's basically, his job is to be one of the liquidators to get through and open up the water release valve so everyone can get in and actually start to cool down or prevent the second steam explosion from happening. Um, overall, it's not amazing at all like the character i mean you've got some loving characters like the seeing like the kid like sort of steadily sort of loses lose himself from radiation sickness but it does sort of you know obviously i can't, I can't compare it to the series cause i've not seen it but it's just nice well not nice but interesting to see you know that immediate point of call of all the liquidators the firefighters the policemen and all the military coming in to try and extinguish the flames and just one by one just getting acute radiation sickness because ultimately they didn't know and the reason why i sort of probably rate it as like a three or a four is purely because it it is like over dramatized and some cg aspects could be a bit better you know the storytelling was a bit weird and the fact that it's very rushed and like i'm a firefighter oh it's just blown up now oh let's get to it oh i'm being shifted to kiev it yeah it seems a bit here there and everywhere but i mean if you're looking for just just a random chernobyl based film to watch there's no harm in it but ultimately there are better things out there like like the series so yeah so that's how i accidentally watched a chernobyl movie I can confirm the Chernobyl series is really good. When did you watch it? Uh, pretty much when it kind of the year it came out. So yeah, because my colleagues were all talking about Chernobyl because it's all over like the newspapers and everything, and I really wanted to watch it back then, but I just never got around to it. I think it's just because I was in the process of still saving up for the house and everything. It's it's fantastic, as probably with the film you've watched. Like they dramatize a lot of it. Like there's a character, for example, who is not real. He is literally not a real person but he is a figment of a lot of people a lot of scientists it's like a culmination of it must be like i think that i think this said like 20 scientists so it's just all of them accumulated in this one character but i i understand why they've done did that to bring to bring the point in points they needed to across for example yeah you should definitely give it a watch brandon yeah i like i said it's just because i didn't know where to see it so my first point of call was unfortunately netflix um and then i found it i was like oh okay it was, the one thing that was strange though is because obviously right you might find this weird as well obviously we watch anime we are very used to watching like x nation people speaking in x native language aren't we yeah so like if you see a french film i'd rather watch a french film have it French dubbed and have English subs. That's just my preference of how I would like to watch yeah. a film. It's like if you watch, you know, like one of the old like old Chinese films, like with very young Jackie Chan, like he would, they would speak in like Mandarin, Cantonese, or whatever, and then it'll be dubbed. Or same for like the Bruce Lee Jet Li films, they'd all be dubbed or subbed rather. I watched it, so it's a Russian um, movie, but every character was English dubbed over. I mean, the English dubbing was actually pretty. It wasn't bad, like. Most of, the, most of the time, the voices matched up what you'd expect said person to sound like. But there was like a few times where the dubbing didn't quite match the mood of said character. So it was like, okay, it's a bit janky there. But yeah, it actually sort of shed a light on, okay, maybe I might be able to be more accepting towards or towards dub, but I'm still very sceptical about it. That's, that's a bit like uh, Dark on Netflix, because that's, that's a German show, and I believe the dub is a bit like that. But I know people have watched it in the dub, and they say, yeah, it doesn't match, but it's actually not that bad. It's pr actually watchable. 
I've yet to watch it, so I don't know. But I've heard that the dub isn't terrible. It's actually watchable. Mm. Uh, to be honest, I thought you were going to mention something else, not that one first, but yeah. Uh. Which one? The other film which I went to see. Yeah, what's that? Well, technically, it's not even a film. Yes. So me and a group of friends, we went and watched the, the, pre- well, the, that's the preview. Well, I don't yeah, know what you call it. it premiere, premiere. Yeah, well, I, I didn't go, but it was literally the day before it came out. So Yeah, so we went and listened to the new Metallica album in cinema. Which, you know, I did, I, going into this, I didn't really know what to expect. Because obviously I'm used to going into cinemas to watch movies. But I didn't really know what to expect to go into cinema to listen to an album. And, you know, overall, it was a nice experience going in, seeing all the album and everything. The actual cinema itself was actually rammed. Like, so many Metallica fans were in there. Um, so some of the songs were great. Some of them were on bit. Okay, it just still sounds like just normal Metallica, like nothing spicy. But it was nice. Like, some of the music, some of the songs had music videos. Some of them just had like synth waves and what, you know, sort of some sort of like splashy editing to make it seem nice. And then in between each song, you had James, Lars, Kirk, and Rob like basically just talk about talk about the song. Oh, you didn't do and that. I, I, yeah, so in between oh. each song, they basically spoke about each song saying, you know, why what was their thinking going to each song? Mm. So like so I can literally summarize every song probably using like five words. Groovy. <laughs> Cuz they kept calling everything all oh, this sort of groove. Like sometimes they'll call it heavy. Sometimes they'll say jam or the bass or they would just use like certain words, but all the time it was groovy. And I just couldn't help but every time Kirk Hammett came onto the TV, I was like, what the fuck is his eyes looking at? Like, <laughs> like, he, he, he was, I don't know why, but he just seemed off his face when recording this. Like, he'd be talking, he'd be like looking off screen, he'd be looking about the camera, then his like, eyes would do like a 360 degrees loop. And I was like, what the fuck are his eyes doing? Like, I spent more time trying to follow his eyes than I was actually listening to what he was doing. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was nice. You know, a bit cringy at times with what, like how they were behaving, but you know, it was it was a nice experience just going into it and just listening to an album because quite often like you probably you're, you're yourself down you're probably like the best candidate for this when you listen to an album just by yourself on Spotify and your headphones or through speakers it's it's quite just a routine thing whereas once you if you go to like an event with a group of people who have never heard these soundtracks before it's sort of nice seeing everyone's reactions to it so after every song there's a guy sat behind me and all you could hear is this he was like. Whoa, like that. So he was like really happy after every song. And then there was, so then, yeah, so everyone was just happy that everyone did like a, an applause throughout the songs as well. It was like, we just listened to a TV. They're not going to hear us applauding, but you know, to each their own. There's no point. Personally, I don't see the point in applauding because no one's going to hear it. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is another thing, Dan. This really confused me. Chris, you'll know this as well. So anytime you go into a cinema, they always tell you make sure to have all of your devices turned off or on silent. You know, they tell you not to bring in like, not to use phones or anything during a cinema, don't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guess what was the first 30 seconds of the film? <laughs> Scan this QR code now and do this and this. I was like, hang on a minute. You just literally gave us an advert before this to tell us not to use our phones. And the first thing they're doing is telling us to use our phones. Oh, they do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was just really weird. The fact they're like, don't use your phones, but scan this QR code to find out more. But, yeah, if you want to know more about it's okay to see in cinema, just yeah. go into your phone and type in this in. Yeah, go into your app and do this. Yeah. I've got to ask, because um, I'm a very big Metallica fan. I've got it like, tattooed on me and everything. Mm. Um, I actually haven't listened to 72 seasons yet. I've just not, not got around to it. How do you rate it compared to all the other ones? Because the general thing I've said is I've seen is like pretty much six out of ten said um, it's fairly repetitive. It's, like, it's not bad by any stretch, but it's just 
chugs along. What do you think? Yeah, I'd probably be of a similar opinion like that. Yeah. Like listening to listening to it, for me, unlike older Metallica songs, there doesn't seem to be a song which stands out and sort of grabs you. You know, like if you listen to like old Metallica songs, like if you listen to like Ride the Lightning album, you're just like, oh. If you listen to Kill 'em All, you're like, oh. You know, like there's quite like you know, Unger Bunga brains start to take over when you listen to some of these older Metallica albums. But you know, it's I'd probably sort of if I was to compare it to something like Death Magnetica, because I think that's something which I could possibly compare it to, you've got some songs in there which have their own style within it. But again, it is quite a repetitive soundtrack throughout. But there are certain elements in some songs which would be actually quite nice to hear live. So there's one one of the songs where James is like, Temptation! So I can I can imagine that being quite good live, because like, dig it a dig it a dig it a dig it a Temptation! So that could be you like quite because they they said it in like the briefing between the songs like we wrote this song wanting it to be an anthem when live. So you, you can see they're thinking going into it, but most of the time, from what I gathered, they were just making soundtracks about like, yeah, that sounds good, let's do it. There wasn't really much thinking. I was like, that sounds groovy, let's do it. That sounds good, let's do it. But I suppose like the bigger bands, they don't really put overly too much more emotion into it. Like you know, I still love Metallica. Like I'm I'm going to download the same twice. Um, so yeah, I, I was. I'll be able to get more of a firm opinion of when I do see it live, what it's going to feel like when they play some of these songs. Also, at the cinema, the guy sat behind us were having an absolute sesh. When the when the cinema finished and the lights came back on, I turned around, there's like 10 cans of Strongbow on the floor <laughs> and like a bunch of popcorn. I was like, fucking hell, it's like they've actually turned it into a sesh. Well, you know. Yeah, I, I listened to the album Friday morning. As I said to my mate, it has a concept album feel. Yeah, uh, it, it is. Oh, it, it is. Yeah, so the reason why it's called 72 Seasons is because that's the same as 18 years. Yes. So they've wrote it thinking this is meant to take you on that journey from like birth to adulthood. Also, it's 72 minutes long. Yeah. But the film was 77 minutes long, so they lied. Well. (laughs) Credits. No, I'd probably say near enough exactly the same as you, Brandon. Um it was. I enjoyed it, but it's probably like middle of the pack of like Metallica albums for me. I think Hardwired was better. I think yeah, Hardwired has like more songs that I I could pick out. Um, I like. I think like the. I still think like the one of the best Metallica songs in like the past in a long while is like Spit Out the Bone, for example. Spit Out the Bone is insane. That's such a good song. Mm-hmm. Or like All Night Nightmare Long from uh, Death Magnetic. Like those two, are like two of my favourites since they're like kind of resurgent from uh, everyone's favourite album St. Anger (laughs) Um, the Dustbin album Hmm? the Dustbin lid album both of us have both seen Frantic live and that was incredible so I'm kind of none of us were expecting that were we well no no they confirmed that they were playing a St. Anger song and me and our mate we both wanted Frantic and they played Frantic, and both of us were just like, fuck yes, here we go. And I was so happy about Frantic. Good. Just mainly because of Guitar Hero Metallica. That's the main reason I was so happy. Uh, I went on that tour and seen them two nights running, so I was seeing like, the entire album. <laughs> 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 I have no regrets. It was great. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, uh, I, like, I'll, I'll, I'll be giving 72 seasons another listen. But I, I, yeah, as you say, maybe it needs more time in the uh, the can for the songs to grow. But yeah, well, I've, I've literally just bought it now on Amazon while you were chatting on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Did we sell I was it like, to oh you? yeah, oh yeah, I need to do that. It's like, 
<clears throat> got to get man. <laughs> Um, well, the day after, Brandon went to the film cinema again, but he didn't go alone I'm, again. I've not seen this many films in a long time. He he, <laughs> he went with me and our mate, who we did Scarfelt Pipe with, the three of us, went to see an anime film. Uh, we went to see the latest Makoto Shinkai film. I've, I've not actually spoken about Makoto Shinkai on the podcast. I don't think I have, but yeah. I've seen the, the last, well now, the last four films he's done. And so, yeah, the, his latest one we went to see, and it's called Suzume. Uh, this is my second favourite Makoto Shinkai film. Um, I, I know you really liked it as well, Brandon. Yeah, I did enjoy it. So, I guess, what would you, how, how would you describe this film? I would describe it as your generic anime trope of girl meets guy by accident, instantly falls in love, goes on a random adventure with them, beating the baddies, and then magically gets together even though they were known each other for a week. Yeah. That basically summarises Suzume. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, to be honest, when you say it like that, I'm like, it's not actually that, doesn't that sound that great, does it? Um, <laughs> but, 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 but to be I fair, mean, yeah. all the Makoto Shinkai films are basically that. Well, the last four of them, including Suzume, are pretty much that. I would say the first one... Uh, well, it's the second one I watched, but the excuse me, the like because his the last four have been I've not watched his earlier stuff, so I need to have a look. But I would say Garden of the Words is a bit more uh, that isn't just boy meets girl. It there's there is like a it, it like goes over a good period of time over the course of the the film. Well, it's like it's more like a short film because it's only an hour. It's not an hour and a half or two mm. hours where it does develop both characters knowing each other and to be fair even your name does but like weathering with you and suzume are a bit more uh oh they kind of fall in love a bit quite quickly but uh especially suzume is a bit like as you say it's kind of like a couple days and then next minute it's like oh, i'm gonna go back to my hometown to rescue this guy i've har- i've hardly known but yeah I- it's just one of those tropes which i'm just like for fuck's sake not again <clears throat> but the comedy in it was very nice it was very subtle comedy. I heard you like out like laugh out loud a couple yeah. times. The music in it was quite nice. Oh, the music was incredible. Yeah, I love that. I don't know what it was, but there's a like, just summarize it. The whole purpose of this, or the whole sort of theme of this, is there are these like abandoned doors throughout Japan, and there are these like groups of people called closers, which is their job to close these doors. Because what happens is when these doors open, a sort of abyssal worm comes out, which the comes worm. out of the out of the door, out of the door. Which no one knows where this worm came from. It's one of my gripes no. about it. Yeah. So this worm like comes the back. Sandworm and... from Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's literally, it's just like we don't know where this worm comes from. It just comes out of this door. And then what this worm does, it just basically stands sort of erectifies into the <laughs> uh, into the air. It it literally does. I'm not joking. So it erectifies and then basically just slams down onto the earth, creating an earthquake. As ultimately that's all we know about this worm. Considering how big of a, you know, it's meant to be the big bad, but that's all it does. We don't know anything else about this worm, which is, again, just slightly gripe that we don't know much about it. But hey, I love the sound effect of when this worm is moving and dropping. I just love that, you know, that deep mm. sound it makes. It's so good. Also, Daijin's a cunt. Oh, there's a character called Daijin. Yeah, I think all three of us like, oh, fuck this, fuck this character. Because again, it's just one of these anime or tropes in general where it's just like, I'm going to guide you to the end, but I'm not going to tell you why. And I, it's just like, you, you're doing the right thing, but you're just pissing everyone off. Just If you just communicate to us why you're being an asshole, why you're doing the things you're doing, 
maybe we'd have more sympathy for you. But, you know, you just turn into this asshole, you know, showing us all these doors, running around. Yeah, such an asshole. And then the other guy, Sadaijin, comes in just randomly. But reading between the lines, I think I understand why Sadaijin did what he did to Milf Auntie. <laughs> we should point out these Daijin and Sadaijin are two cat, like, like mystical cats. They're not people. But, uh, yeah, yes. the, yeah, so quite often in like Japanese culture, obviously gods are quite associated with things so like a lot of the time like the necromat you'll see like the necromatter things you know that waving cat you'll see them quite a lot in like asian asian like places because it's just one of those things about like the, the necromatter so the cats hold quite a bit of, like spiritual value so these two gods have taken on the form of a white cat and a black cat daijin is the white cat and sadaijin is the black cat and there's this part where sadaijin <laughs> what Just carry on there's a part where Sadaijin takes over the aunt and basically the aunt's like i wish i never adopted you i wish i never did this but I could sort of, you know, reflecting on it, I can see why said cat did it. It's to sort of break that sort of rift between them and bring the aunt and Suzume closer. So I could sort of understand that. Daijin just had no excuses. He was just a cunt. <laughs> I'm just going to put bluntly. Overall, I'd give it somewhere between an eight and a nine. Yeah, Probably close to the nine side, purely because of my gripes of this just... They don't really flesh out a lot of the missing information of like, what is this worm and where did it come from? Just just contextually wise, just give us more information about what it is and why it's there. Because it's just it's just a worm, a CGI worm, which turns into a flower. I don't know what it is. Because, you know, when it starts off as a worm, there's like this worm has multiple heads. And it's just getting a bit confusing. And um and then the fact that the relationships build too quickly like i understand it's a film and they want to try and cram as much as they can in like a minute and a, or in an hour and a half or two hours but you know you know that old saying rome wasn't built in a day surely a relationship can't be built in a week i mean yeah i can understand they're like 16 years old you know i remember being a 16 year old i could just see someone and be like oh i'm in a crush now well, she is. But I guess, um, well that's literally what happened she <laughs> yeah, she is but the other guy he's like 18 or something yeah, he's at university. Yeah. But I mean, I can sort of guess, you know, that at that age, people are more like love at first sight. So I can somewhat understand it, but just please, no. Just, I've had <laughs> enough of that trope. <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed it, but uh, I think your name is still better. And you, you should watch that, Brandon. If you like Susan May, you should watch your name. It is on Netflix, if I remember. It might yeah, it be. is. Yeah, if you watch Your Name, that's better. I think Garden of Words is on Netflix as well. So there's two Makoto Shinkai films that are both on Netflix. There you go. Oh, I definitely have to add it to my watch list. I think Weathering With You is on Amazon, but you got to pay, which I don't think is as that good makes as... makes no sense. Oh, it's Amazon. But um, you watched a, a video game film, uh, Chris. I did. In fact, I've watched it twice because I really enjoyed it. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, thought, I didn't know you watched it twice. Yeah, I only watched it um, the other day. Um, I had a bit of spare time over the Easter holidays, and I, I thought it was a film that the uh, parents might like, uh, and I was correct. They both really liked it. So it was a good call. Uh, so I very, very quickly mentioned at the end of the last podcast that uh, I saw the Tetris movie, and I said it was good, and yes, it is. So the Tetris movie was something that was kicked around years ago, and everyone was like, what, we're going to get like a sort of CGI Angry Birds type thing, but with like Tetris pieces, which certainly would have been a project, but yeah. that's not that's not what the film is. <laughs> the film is uh, based on the true story of how Tetris came to be and focuses on its creator, uh, Alexei, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name, Pachinov, 
I think it's Pachinov, Alexei Pachinov, and um, and the guy who's like getting the rights to sell it on arcade, uh, console, PC, uh, Hank Rogers, who works at Bulletproof Software. And yeah, uh, because Tetris is was invented in Russia, and this is the 80s, so communism was big. Well, it, it was the law. Um, essentially, uh, Tetris belonged to the state and not Alexei. So he kind of got screwed over his own game. Uh, Hank Rogers is trying to do the right thing, make sure he's, uh, he gets his due. And throughout the whole thing, there's like a constant of fighting like going on as to who owns the rights because uh there's a big brand called mirrorsoft involved who were the big company that was run by um oh, oh the brain my brains i've got a brain fart forgotten the name um robert maxwell robert maxwell and his son kevin Max- maxwell who um if you don't know uh like the real life uh billionaire tycoons um robert maxwell if you're unaware disappeared under mysterious circumstances and um and basically robbed his own company by uh, taking money out of the pension funds, uh, which, of course, all of this is like brought up in the film as well, as they're kind of like antagonists. And in real life, yeah, there were. Uh, you've also got the KGB involved, who are also like antagonists in the film. Um, one of the characters he's named, uh, and he kind of is built up to be like a villain, I suppose, which you can kind of tell is more for Hollywood like because they've amped it up a bit but apparently there was someone in real life with like the same name but they didn't actually have any involvement with what was going on it's just someone in the communist party with the head of the kgb with the same name but they've taken some creative liberties with it but surprisingly um hank rogers and alexi are the executive producers on this film so a lot of it is real and for what it is it's very entertaining Hmm. (laughs) um if you've ever seen a film like, you know, The Founder, you've seen that one no, with um, Michael no. Keaton about how McDonald's got started. It's got a similar sort of vibe to it. Uh, I highly recommend that one as well. I think that's on Amazon. You can watch that right now. Uh, that's pretty good too. Uh, so, yeah, first thing I did when I, I watched this film is I have an original copy of Tetris for the Game Boy. And I went and, went and got it, looked at the back of the box, and lo and behold, it's got all these names that are mentioned in the film. It's like, oh, shit. Mm. It just makes you look at like uh, credits in like manuals and back of the boxes like a bit more. It's like there's a story behind that that little mm. sentence. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought it was massively entertaining. Um, it is a film that I believe was on um, Apple Plus. Uh, yeah, the same one that um, Finch was on that I mentioned a little while back. Yes. So watch watch it any way you can because it's a good time. It's about two hours long, just shy of two hours, but it's well worth it. And as I say, if you think, uh, I'm not sure, this might be a bit boring, but they do plenty to amp it up. Uh, of course, it's got good casting in it because it's got Taron Egerton and Toby Jones in it, who are very entertaining to watch. And there's something that could have essentially just been like a courtroom drama. It doesn't work that way at all. There's plenty going on. Uh, it's got the introduction of like the Game Boy if you know your, your computing history, it mentions rights between Sega and Nintendo, uh, including um, they, they bring up the Mirasoft version of Tetris, which, if you're unaware, is a version of Tetris which was on the Mega Drive, mm. and they did that without having the rights. So therefore, it's one of the most expensive games, rarest games ever, because it was only on sale for like a couple of days before it got pulled for that reason. And that's brought up as a plot point in the film. Um, yeah, so if you want to know a bit about game history and how, how we kind of came out the slump of like the video game crash of like 83, this is a good insight into it all. Mm. Yeah, some of it's romanticized a bit. Some of it like clearly didn't happen. Like there's a car chase in it. He's <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I don't think that happened. It'd be cool <laughs> if it did, but I don't think that did. <laughs> but they they make uh, the character of like Hank Rogers, who's like the ma- the main character 
that we focus on that make him likable. You can see what he's trying to do. Obviously, it's like the real life struggles. Like he is determined to get like the right sorted because he's kind of like taken a loan on the bank and like his house is on the line, so he's got to do it. <laughs> I don't know how much of that is true. It, it might be. His business decisions are weird, funky, especially in the eighties with communist Russia. Uh, but yeah, it was massively, massively entertaining. And as I watched it again, and it was just as entertaining the second time around. And it was nice watching it with the folks because they, they kept pointing out things because. Mm. They're a bit older than me. It was like, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll remember Robert Maxwell. Well, a bastard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Tetris, watch it. It's good. Well, the end. <laughs> um, yeah, I I did watch another film. I, well, I've watched another two films, but uh, we'll see. I, I, I watched the D&D film uh, that came out the other week. Uh, that was uh, a, f- a fun time. It, it was just what you'd probably expect from a fantasy film. It was funny, it was adventurous, it had a lot of nods to, obviously, Dungeons and & Dragons, and it was a good time, yeah. There was a few things that I know I probably got that I think the general people wouldn't get, uh, but it was a fun time. I, I, yeah, it was a, I don't, I don't really know what to say, it was, it was just, it was fun. <laughs> see, I, I want to know a bit more about this one, because I've not had a chance to see it, uh, but everyone I know has seen it said it's it's like pretty good but i don't really see anyone talking about it i think it's probably unfortunate that it's come out like the same time as the mario movie and it's been completely overshadowed Uh, i've seen a mario film as well and i'll be honest i think the mario film is better but like the uh, D &D film is still really fun and like i i I don't know i think it's not like some of the i would to be fair if i had the negative the cgi is in the best and sometimes when they do some of the other races they look quite uncanny in the film especially like the bird races they look really weird uh even the dragonborns look a bit off but um but other than that like like they definitely capture like definitely like druids uh druid class in D&D that's captured it's probably like the the Everything with the druid is like the best, some of the best bits in the the film. She, the druid character is fantastic. She became my favorite character. I'm a little bit biased because I I played D and D myself, and I I'm a druid as well. Uh, so my character's a druid. So I think I'm a little bit biased. But uh, <laughs> um, no, it, it was good. Uh, Chris Pine was Chris Pine. You know what you're gonna expect from him, really. Uh, yeah, like I like I knew who was like the bad guy pretty quickly because it, I listened to a D&D podcast and they uh, they were like, oh yeah, this guy's playing the bad guy. So I was like, right, I know he's gonna do something. And yep, there we go. Uh, no, I had a really good time. I like, I I think if you know D&D, you probably get a bit more of a kick out of it. Like there's like certain things that are just like, oh, that's taking the piss out of this rule set that kind of doesn't really make sense like there's like a for example there's a spell that is just played up for laughs but it kind of doesn't really make much sense on like the big screen but then obviously in when you're playing D, it's really useful because you're like well i want to get some information i can do this spell and do that but then on the big screen it's all for laughs and it's 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 funny but it's uh it also kind of doesn't make sense of like why would it be just this why what this yeah um it's a fun fantasy film. I, I, I think yeah, you'll have a if you go see it, you'll have fun. I, I don't really know what to say. I don't. Yeah, yeah. 
Another film I've, I've seen today, actually, because I thought, I need to watch something else for the podcast because I ain't seen much. Uh, I went on Netflix and seen uh, the film A Quiet Place 2 has been added. And I quite like the first one. I thought it was pretty decent. And the second one's very similar. Uh, have you seen the first one? Nope. I have oh, not seen any of them. Okay. Uh, well, the, I want to. The, the, yeah, the, the, as far as like horror things go, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I say it's more of a thriller. It didn't. It's got like alien monsters in it, but I wouldn't really say it's like horrifying or anything. It's kind of more actiony, thriller-ish, survival-ish. The way little pigeonhole to put it in. Mm. I, I quite like the first one. It's like it's like what if alien? What if the aliens are like liquors from Resident Evil, essentially? Because <laughs> they're all blind and rely on sight. So, like, everyone's being quiet. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a fairly straightforward film. Um, the second one uh, shows you, like, um, a, a bit of a prequel, like, what happened, like, on, like, the day, like, these aliens sort of landed. And then it catches up to, like, present day to where, where the uh, first film finished off, carrying on from there. Uh, Sodding acting all around. Emily Bunt starring in it. It's got, um, oh, Christ, <sighs> oh, who plays the Scarecrow in Batman Begins? It's on the tip oh, of my brain. Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy, yes, he's in oh, the sequel. Is he? He's in the... Yes, he is. Um, he wasn't in the first one, but in the prequel bit of this film, he's like established to be a friend of the family, and then he's oh. essentially taken over as like the, one of the main cast from like the first film. I don't actually know who's uh, in the film. Yeah, I'll say Emily Blunt here's in it. Uh, it's John. First one is I'm going to butcher his surname as well. John Chaps in the office. John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Yeah, he's in it, and. He's like the main character in the first one. And he's in it for the second one, but not all that much. He's kind of replaced by Cillian Murphy uh, due to reasons. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's a decent film. It ends pretty abruptly. I mean, it ends fine. It's like, oh, stand it. But it is only an hour and 40 minutes, which I know for a horror film, that's pretty standard. But it did fly by. And mm. like the first film, I like what they do with the sound design. Well, well, because one of the characters is deaf. So like every time, like, you're in their shoes there's like complete silence it's like chaos is like breaking out and then it like cuts to like them sort of whatever they're doing and it's just complete dead silence mm. and it might catch you off of like the first time you, you do it because you think is my tv okay did my tv just stop working <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, but it, it caught me off guard as well watching the second one it's like oh yeah they did that in the first one as well <laughs> mm. um yeah it's it's decent, but like like you with like the Dragons, there's not much more I can say about it. It's like, yeah, if you want to have a flick for like, and you like the first one and quite little story for like hour and forty, you can do far worse. And I do recommend it. It's just I probably won't remember it that much. It might be one of these films I forget I've watched in like six months time. Yeah, that's what I'm like probably gonna think a bit for like D and D. Like I I I really enjoyed it, but that yeah, I was like I don't know. I might forget that it kind of exists. In a weird way. Which is like the complete opposite to... Cause I did mention I'd seen the Mario film. And I really enjoyed the Mario film. Like, uh, I was... Because I, 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 I went, like, the day after we came back from Scarfell. And I, I see it's Illumination. Illumination are Illumination. They have mm. their usual bag of tricks. And they deployed all of them in the film. I'm not going to lie. Uh, You know, they have pop songs that you like well yeah whatever they did a whole load of other stuff but then when it was a mario film when it was nintendo i'll be honest i had a smile on my face constantly and I th- i'll be honest it's probably my favorite film i've seen this year like, i i i i loved it uh I, well susan may is a 2022 film so i'm not counting that uh yeah i i the mario film is i will say is chucked 
full of Easter eggs. Like it's ridiculous. Like the the first maybe the first like section where it's setting up all the characters. It's just you know, there's like scenes where it's just like oh there's that reference that there's that 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 it's ridiculous and it's a, it it's a bit like that kind of near the start especially it's very filled with references and then kind of pitters out where it where it as it develops other things but i i i really enjoyed it yeah okay the voice cast probably isn't what i had personally picked but i kind of didn't really care hot by the end i think there was a few moments where i i was like yeah i i i can't picture i'm not i don't picture bowser right now i'm picturing jack black because like there's a bit where Bowser literally does a Tenacious D song, for example. So, uh, but other than that, like, other than, like, those things with, like, some of the voice actors, I, I really enjoyed the film. The story is probably what you expect. It's not that, it's not the, the most complex thing. Um, but I, I, I really liked it. There was a, um, yeah, I, I don't know, yeah, it, it it brought a lot of smile, a lot of happiness, and it referenced so many different Nintendo franchises, so many aspects of Mario, and yeah, I, 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 I'd happily watch it again, personally. I, yeah. One of my favourite little anecdotes I've seen about the Mario film is, I think it was Chris Stuckman on YouTube, movie reviewer. Yes, I'm uh, aware of him. Yeah, yeah. He's he said like this little anecdote. It's not actually about the film. It's like what happens before. Where you got like a little minions in like a Mario Kart. Thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> he said like when he went to see the film, it was like everyone saw that and everyone started booming. <laughs> he was like, oh, I have some faith in humanity. Like everyone's sick of these little bastards. <laughs> Uh, I think, it put, I think it, it put a lot of people on edge because they've seen it. It's like, oh no, please don't be like this for the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah, like when it's not being illuminations, it's really good like and i would say it's more nintendo than illumination like it looks like animation wise it looks fantastic i cannot i cannot uh put it down on any points for animation it's one of the best looking animated films i've ever seen in recent years from like a from like an american company although yes the animators are mostly french but you know what i mean like mm. it looks incredible and yeah there's a there was a lot for definitely someone who's nearly 30 who's played a lot of nintendo there was a lot of references that i got uh there's and i know there was a lot of references that kids of like five are gonna is just gonna go right over the, over their heads for example it's got like kid icarus in the film kind of and i knew like i was like oh, it's kid icarus but like that's gonna go over so many people's heads even a lot of people who know mario they're not gonna see know what the hell that kid icarus bit is that's not even like i'm not saying kid icarus the character is in the film by the way but there's a kid icarus bit is if you see the film you'll know um but yeah i was like oh that's kid icarus there you go but yeah it, it's uh I, I really enjoyed it. It it's just chock full of references and Easter eggs. But uh there's a, there's still a lot of heart to the story and the music I listened to the soundtrack the other day, the music is incredible. When it's the actual soundtrack. When there's a the pop songs bits, I take it or leave it. They were good songs, but I don't I didn't that I don't need them in this film. Like it's got... funny you should say that because one of the biggest criticisms I see in this film are like the music choices. Is like why are they there? It seemed like yeah, that's very what I mean. randomly put in. <laughs> like when it's being Nintendo, like when it's being doing the Mario music, it's incredible. And then it just puts in "Take on Me" by Aha. It's like <laughs> why? 
<laughs> why do we so need this? Is, that sounds a bit out of pro. Like, why do we, like? Apparently, the reason why is when the Nintendo Entertainment System came out in America, "Take on Me" was number one. So that's why that that song's in the film. But it also like what? Why? And the scene that it plays is just the the weirdest bit. Is it's just like what? Wh- why are you playing this at here? And you know, you know why? It's so Illumination can release a uh, music inspired by the film like <laughs> type album they can sell. Yeah, probably. It's Definitely. just it's just yeah. But I guess other than that, like I, I really enjoyed the film. But uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna say it's perfect. But when it's being Nintendo, I kind of have no. I don't really have many complaints. But when it's being Illuminations, it's more take it or leave it. But I say the good outweighs the bad. But you know. Yeah, I think because it is Nintendo, they are very, very protective and controlling yeah. of their property, just like in the Tetris film, oddly enough. Um, so I imagine Illuminations have had to pull their socks up big time. <laughs> Like I saw someone uh, who did a put a YouTube video out on rating all the Illumination films, and I know he put the Mario film at number two. So what yeah, that, that's that kind of tells you how good it is as a Illumination film compared. What to was number one? Else. You know, I believe it's he put. Obviously, it's all subjective, but he put Secret Life of Pets two. I believe. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I've not seen either of them, so I don't know. But I believe I, that's I would have. I haven't even seen it, and I'd have put Mario top and everything else in the bin. <laughs> yeah, like I, I've I've seen too many Illumination films to that. I, I'm not. Yeah, I've I've seen more than I'd like to. That I than I think I have. I think I I can't even put. I've, like I need two hands to say how many film illumination films I've seen, and yeah, Mario's a top easily. Like there's no competition, and I think the last one, the one that's bottom, is probably Grinch. Really? Yeah, and then all the Despicable Me's are kind of joint all together because yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, I I have watched one last thing. Um, I watched an anime called Megalobox. The, I put this in the category of anime that Chris would watch and enjoy. <laughs> sure about that? <laughs> yeah. Go on. Uh, this uh, There's two seasons of this anime. The first season... So Megalobox is about basically kind of like... It, it's, bo- it's about boxing, but it's... The way, why it's called Megalobox is Megaloboxing is meant... It's kind of like kind of like prosthetic limb kind of thing or like equipment that you use to box. I kind of... In some ways, it kind of makes no sense because I'm like, why are you basically wearing equipment to make your punches stronger? But then... If it's what I'm, look, if it's what I'm looking at, they wear metal exoskeletons called yeah, gears. It, yeah, that is what it is. And I was at the first season kind of... Isn't it, it? Both seasons are really good. Second season is is amazing, but the first season is your standard. It's kind of your standard underdog story. It's it's essentially Rocky one and two. Like that is basically what season one is. Characters are good. Action is good. Yeah. Season one is bog standard under underdog story. Bit quite very shonen anime. It's not too like it. It's really good, but it's you've probably seen a. 
if you watched anime or seen enough stuff like Rocky 1 and 2, you kind of know exactly what you're getting. Like, there's going to be not really much. No surprises. Like, just saying it's like Rocky 1 and 2, you probably probably could put, put lay down all the plot points for season 1 there right now. It's not really going to surprise you. It's a really good ride. But it's season 2. Season 2 is why I, I, I've cried twice or two or three times while watching it it is incredible it takes i don't i've not watched except for rocky one i've not really watched any of a rocky so i don't know if a later rocky is like megalobox season two it, it might be it might not be i don't know but like megalobox season two kind of takes where the first season ends and it's like five years later and it just turns everything upside down from what you think of what a season two of the should should be and it's just not and it's this really interesting kind of redemption story and like and coming to terms with things in life and and not just for like the main character for like so many characters and it was really deep and i didn't i did not expect that and it it, it was fantastic yeah i I, I would, like I said, I, I kind of don't really want to spoil much of season two because I because it's that good. But um, I, I like I said, I, I cried quite a few times, at least two or three times while watching season two, and I definitely definitely recommend it. Uh, the soundtrack for both seasons are sensational. Like I, I've had both soundtracks on quite a bit recently, but the first season the, the amount of songs that get repeated in the in the episodes so i was going through the soundtrack i was like oh it's this song oh it's this one oh it's this one oh it's this one oh i remember this when it played here like whereas like the second season it just builds the atmosphere and it's different but as good and it's like it feels two seasons that just feel like a complete close complete package and yeah i as i say i definitely put it in the 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 group of anime that I've watched where I, I feel I could comfortably go to you, Chris, as I am now, and say, if you watch this, you're going to enjoy it. There's no stupid tropes of a, a female character doing what, whatever. There's no fan service. There's no whatever. It's doing a serious story. Yeah, it's in Japanese animation, but it's doing a, a mostly a realistic story. It's quite serious. Yeah, there's still some jokes in that, but it's, it's good. It's, I group it with like Vinland Saga as well I spoke about Vinland Saga before but I group it with that it, it's great so yeah I'll tell you what you, you mentioned Rocky and all I can think about is the bit from the Simpsons where Bart goes oh Rocky 2 and Rocky 5 makes Rocky 7 Adrian's Revenge <laughs> 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 all I can think of yeah, uh, it's a hard sell to me because I know I, I seen the box and I was like, I have zero interest in. Boxing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe if you say like, oh, there's no like tropes and they haven't got like little cutesy annoying things and maybe that's that's bonus points in my book. I say no the only, the only th- <laughs> I say the only thing in season one is it has a little kid who might be a little annoying at, at the beginning, but. Once he develops, it's like nah, he's a, he's a great character, and seeing where he goes in season two, he's like one of the best characters. So yeah, I'm not saying I'm not expecting you to come back and be like next next uh, episode and be like oh yeah, I watched it, but I would definitely recommend it more. To, I I as Brandon knows, I watched so much fucking anime, and when I find one that I'd be like, I think I could sell it to you. I feel I feel quite good 
good. I think it's quite good. So, yeah. Although, Vinland Saga is still like top of anime I would sell to you. Oh, Vinland Saga is so good. But yes. Good times, good times. Wow. Yeah, is anything is there else? anything else? Yeah, snap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all spent. I know, you, yeah, I don't have much more. Uh, I've got nothing. No, I think then that is it for this week's episode. So I suppose we could just say uh, thank you, everyone who's been listening to us. We hope you've enjoyed the 50th episode with Weldy, because I know we had great time recording it yeah. and he did as well. He's excited. Oh, <laughs> uh, Weldy was great. Hi, Weldy, well, if you're listening. Hello, uh, listening. He, he, he is. He's mowing his lawn. <laughs> and he's, he's having a good, good old time. <laughs> days yes so um well i guess we'll talk to you again in two weeks time where see what happens in two weeks time (laughs) well i've got nothing planned apart from more as he fall in my future i'm gonna live stream a speed run of you go through the memories just so you can Mm. see how much bullshit it is i'm gonna love that (laughs) i look forward to doing it i want to take it up i want to at least obviously i don't exactly know how to do the time stamping stuff i don't know how to do like fancy obs stuff to do that i'll figure it out i know i've got a couple of games i'll be talking about next episode because um as a time recording advanced wars remake comes out this week and i've just started a new game this today just before we recorded so i'll be see if i can complete that and i'll be talking about that hopefully next session we'll see uh but yeah other than that i what? believe you know our social media uh facebook twitter instagram are we are we on uh what's it called tiktok i don't know are we no i i do the odd posts like saying oh we got a new episode out on thank you rambles but well, that's it f- follow these two on their social media twitter uh well chris's tiktok uh instagram on their twitches all of the things just go and google time type my name and type Cy parker and just hit the follow button and everything yep. that pops up follow us on the internet but not in real life actually there's a what? i actually have a question for okay. you two i thought about this i before one last thing i've got a twitch question for you two Oh, if, if you could do a subathon, would you do it? Yes. No. <laughs> well, and that's been uh, episode 51. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know why now. <laughs> What's about this, huh? Oh, no. I've been watching someone who's doing a subathon at the moment. I just thought. Oh, look, I thought I'd just ask you two what you if you would do one. Yeah, I've got that many. Months. I've got that many followers and subs. That if I did a subathon, I'd be done in ten minutes. <laughs> I meant just like if you had, you know, if you could and had a lot of like as many followers as the person what I've been watching who's got like I mean, when I was watching him yesterday had like three thousand. Uh, you know, it's just like I was just if you had about as many as that, would you do a subathon? Probably, I'd do probably. it, but I'd hope that it wouldn't get as bad as what happened to Ludwig though. <laughs> oh, because Ludwig. if I was to do a thirty one day subathon, I'd be in trouble. That's Ludwig for you. He's massive. But he was only ma- I think he mainly got big because of the subathon, because I think he was getting like plus seven minutes for every sub. But he did it for 31 days. Yep. Even Sea Dog, he did a subathon, but I don't think he got anywhere close to sub to Ludwig. No, I think the person who did as big was probably Iron Mouse. I think. I'm surprised her PC could survive. Like, imagine all that CG generating, having to keep her avatar alive. Yeah, I know. Like, like even I think it was like even connected while she was sleeping. Yeah, but if she, yeah, but if she's just an avatar, she, she couldn't really care what she looks like. But I suppose if you're sub like doing a live stream for like thirty days, that at any point during those thirty days, your avatar could just disappear and you just see 
some girl just there by the computer. Like, ah, that's that's the real Iron Mouse. It's actually a dude called Keith. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I. I think she's like clever enough that that wouldn't happen. But yeah. yeah you. Yeah. They've got. They're, they're smarter now. Yeah. Whereas, uh, I'm current. The guy I've been watching. It. I mean, well, he lives in Japan. So when I came back from work, he was just sleeping. I was like, all right. I guess I got nothing. But then he's been playing Resi Four. So I was like watching him play. Getting towards the end, he was like only an like half an hour ahead of me. I was like, oh. So, but I think he's beating it now. Anyway, but yeah. Because, anyway, that was just what I was, one last question. Right, I think that's it. So, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, you'll hear us soon. Bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Goodbye.